Hello. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 14. If you don't have a Bible and you'd like to use one, if you could just raise your hand and our usher teams will come bring you one that you can either borrow or you can keep. It's our gift from, uh, to you. If you're watching online or at one of the many services at the Brown County Correctional Facility, welcome. We are so glad you're here. And I am so glad and honored uh, to be a part of this series and, and our pastors, Pastor Sean and Sonny, allowing me to be a part of and, and, and concluding the Young Gun series um, which is, is funny because I, um, I had one of my best friends text me when the bumper came out. And he said, huh, young guns, they obviously don't know your age. And my response was, shh. You know. uh, but speaking of the bumper, I, I have been asked a few questions that I would love to answer. One, whose idea was it to flip your hair? Mine, because as you've heard, I like having long hair and yeah, I like flipping it. Um, <laughs> whose idea was it for you to fall? That was actually pastor's idea. He, thought, he said, I think it'd be really funny if you fell. And I was totally for it until we got to that site. And I was like, oh, it's rocks. <laughs> All right. And, and, and then the last question was like, did you really fall? And that time you saw, I actually did really fall. Like my, the whole thing was, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to like trip on myself. And we had to get a couple takes to get a couple of it. But like that last take, I like really tripped. And like you can see, like I fall, like my legs start coming up. And I got some pebbles in my arms. But it was all worth it because my kids have watched that bumpers like, like, like 30 times. And they've laughed every single time. So it was worth it. So Matthew chapter 14, I'm going to actually start reading in verse 22. And it says this, immediately after this, after what? Immediately after Jesus fed 5,000 men, not women, not children. So they're saying maybe around 15 to 20,000 people possibly with five loaves of bread and two fish, no big deal. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was still there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from the land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in, in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. Verse 26 says, When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I am here. And then Peter called out to him and said, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you, walking on the water. So Jesus said, yes, come. So Peter went over to the side of the boat and walked on water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the Son of God, they exclaimed. The time of my message today is beyond. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this word today. And I thank you, Lord, for everything that, that is going to come out of this word. And I pray that you'd be with everyone in here as they hear the word, that it doesn't fall on deaf ears, but Lord, they would be motivated and encouraged and walk out taking this word with them. In Jesus' name, amen. I love how technology is advancing. I love that we have 
like computers in our pockets, that our cell phones, they, you can call, you can text, you can Google, you can watch Netflix, you can do so many things. But one of the things that I love that is advancing is we're getting to a place where cell phones are becoming waterproof. That means in a few years when everyone's cell phone is waterproof, we can start pushing people back in pools again. Do you remember how fun that was? Like to see people get pushed in pools? I mean, when I was a kid, that was like the thing to do. If you were by a pool, you were asking for it. It didn't matter if you were in a three-piece suit or you're wearing shorts, you were gonna get pushed in. And then cell phones came and ruined everything and to the point where you went to go push them, they're like, I got my cell phone. You're like, oh! And so it just, it was frustrating and it was hilarious to watch. It wasn't hilarious to be, you know, to be pushed in, especially for me, because when I was younger, I was afraid to get in the deep end. I was one of these swimmers where I would get in the pool and I'd grab the edge. I'm trying to find people like just like me, like maybe. And I was just, I would just edge it like the whole time, like cliffhanger. I was just like climbing it. I'm like, I'm in the water. And I knew how to swim. I just didn't like going in the deep end. I had this fear that I would sink like to the bottom, like that I would forget how to swim and just go right down. And, and I think for a lot of us, I think that's how we live our lives when it comes to faith, that we've gotten comfortable living on the edge of our faith where things are basic and containable and are afraid to go beyond in our faith where things are impossible and unthinkable. Odell Palacio said, faith is a muscle that must be developed. While faith is being developed, faith is also improving our character, trustworthiness, self-discipline, tenacity, creativity, loyalty, and boldness. See, God wants us to go beyond in our faith. He wants us to have faith with no limits. God wants us to believe for that kind of faith. The faith that where we look at scriptures and it says, where Jesus says, yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. See, we see in Matthew chapter 14 that Jesus is walking on water. And the disciples are dealing with heavy waves and Jesus comes to them walking on water and they think it's a ghost. They freak out and Jesus says, don't be afraid, take courage I am here. And see, I love that, that, that section alone because it just reminds me that the storms in my life, Jesus is there and he's saying, don't be afraid, take courage, I am here. And then we see Peter be Peter. And he says, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. And Jesus says, yeah, come. Then we see the impossible happen. Peter gets out of the boat and walks on water but he sinks. And scholars and commentators have all agreed that the reason that Peter started sinking was because he took his eyes off Jesus and put them on other things. And that's what I want to talk about today. If you're taking notes, I think there are three things that will keep us from going beyond in our faith. And number one is this. I believe that one thing that will keep us from going beyond our faith is facts. But when Peter saw the strong wind and waves, see, we see Peter's attention was taken to the facts. That before that moment, people didn't walk on water. It wasn't a normal thing to see. And that storms, they can push us down. And we are weaker than storms and winds. So those are facts. And I, I want you to understand, I'm not anti-facts. I, I do feel we need facts. Two plus two is four. That's a fact. But if we want to go beyond in our faith, we have to go beyond the facts. We can't allow facts to take our attention off Jesus. And that's why we read scriptures like 2 Corinthians 5, 7, where it says, For we live by faith, not by sight. 
And we find the definition of faith in Hebrews 11, where it says faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. So faith is going beyond the facts. And then we see in the same chapter, it says, and it's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Mark chapter 5 is probably one of my favorite scriptures, especially when it comes going beyond. In verse 25 it says this, A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she got worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. She thought to herself, if I can touch his robe, I will be healed. See, I love this story because this, we see a woman who didn't settle on her diagnosis, didn't settle on the facts that the doctor gave her. She just said, if I could grab the robe of Jesus, then I will be healed. And she was. I truly believe that God wants us to all experience look at God moments where nothing else makes sense, so it must be God. And God wants us to go beyond our faith, and to do that, we must go beyond the facts. Here's number two. I believe if we want to go beyond our faith, we need to go beyond our feelings. He was terrified, and he began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. See, Peter let fear win over faith, and he sank because of it. Now again, I'm also not anti-feelings. I'm very pro-feelings. You can ask my family. I've cried at Marvel movies multiple times. I cried at a Walmart commercial one time. I just, I'm a crier. And so, like, that's, I'm, I'm not anti-feelings. I mean, feelings are normal. Feelings can take our focus off faith. And I'm not saying be emotionless either, because having emotions is healthy. But our feelings are constantly changing and are affected by sin. That's why we read scriptures like Proverbs 3, 5, where it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Don't lean on your feelings. Lean on God. Proverbs 28, 26 says, Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. See, God wants us to trust him, not what feels right. That's why in Isaiah 55, 8, it says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. See, God wants to take us beyond anything we can imagine. Faith stands beside you and answers fear, insecurity, and failure by empowering you with courage and boldness. But to do that, we have to go beyond our feelings of fear and anger, sadness, emotions that can dictate our direction, and we need to lean on faith. So number one is we, we need to go beyond the facts. Number two, we need to go beyond the feelings. And number three, we need to go beyond our failures. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? See, Peter failed to go to Jesus, and Jesus asked him why. And I don't know about you, but when I fail, when I mess up, I don't want to do it again. Sometimes I'll say to myself, well, what's the point of even trying that? And to look at our past lives and past sins, and we think we can never see the impossible because of our failures. Or for some of us, we look at past prayers that didn't come the way we wanted them to. So we look at that as a failure. Why would I want to pray for that again? Why would I want to believe for that again? It didn't happen. It was just a failure. 
And Peter could allow this failure to keep him from moving forward in faith. In fact, he could have even allowed denying Jesus three times to keep him from going forward. But we see that he did move forward. And we see that he allowed God to do amazing things through him. We find it in the book of Acts, where Peter stands up and he leads thousands of people to start a relationship with Jesus. And then we see in Acts chapter 5, and I, this is amazing to me. As a result of the apostles' work, sick people were brought out into the streets on beds and mats so that Peter's shadow might fall across some of them as they went by. Crowds came from villages around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those possessed by evil spirits, and they were all healed. And we see things like this all throughout the Bible, of God doing amazing things through people who just stand out and want to go beyond in faith. We find it in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. It says, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on one thing, forgetting the past and moving forward to what lies ahead. This is what I love about Philippians. See, Philippians was written by Paul, who used to be Saul, who used to persecute Christians. And he didn't allow his past to stop him from allowing God to do amazing things in his life. And then we see in Romans chapter 4, where we, we hear the story of Abraham. And it says, Abraham was, humanly speaking, the founder of our Jewish nation. What did he discover about being made right with God? If he, his good deeds had made him acceptable to God, he would have had something to boast about. But that's not God's way. For the scripture tells us Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. When people work... Their wages are not a gift, but something they, can, they have earned. But people are counted as righteous, not because of their work, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. I love that scripture because it reminds us of a couple things. One, your failures are not being held in front of you by God. He has forgiven our sins. But he's also saying, it doesn't matter how good you are. You're counted righteous when you believe in me, when you trust in me, when you trust in the impossible, when you believe for greater things that go beyond the facts and your feelings. And your, when you just go beyond with me, that's when you're counted righteous. It has nothing to do with your deeds. And, and we see in many areas of Abraham's life where he had trusted God. See, Abraham left Ur and Haran for an unknown destination at God's direction. He trusted God to take on a place he didn't know. I mean, people were asking where he's going. He's like, I don't know. Wherever God's telling me to go. He might be there. Could be there. I, I just don't know. I'm trusting God. Abraham believed he would have many children even when he had no children. And he was really, really old. Like, you shouldn't be having children at that age. But he did. And Abraham was willing to sacrifice his promised son Isaac. He even says in the scripture that God will just bring you back. If I kill you, God will, will bring you back from the dead. It's just, that's what's going to happen. He was so bold in his faith and his belief. And Abraham wasn't perfect either. There's so many shortcomings we see in, this, in the Bible. In fact, the Bible is filled with imperfect people. But it's also filled with people who wouldn't allow their failures to keep them going deeper in their faith. So here's why I have a fun illustration today. See, I have the door. And the door represents the entrance from going deeper in our faith. And these duffel bags, they kind of represent the weight of our stuff. For example, the weight of our facts. How we can sometimes, in situations, we can just put it on and, 
and carry it with us. And, you know, facts are, you know, important, and, uh, so, but sometimes they get in the way. And then, and then we got feelings, you know, where we, you know, we fear and anger and bitterness and all those things grow, especially when you're in the heat of something, it, you can sometimes carry it with you. And then finally, oh, you know, it's hard to do. We, we still will carry our failures with us. And we'll go and We'll hear something, we'll start believing for something, but we'll carry this with us and we'll, we'll go through the door and say, all right, God, I'm believing you're going to do these great things and we'll come through and she can't make it through. Like, nope, I just can't do it. I can't go through until I let go of what's holding me from going through. And here's why surrender is so important. And why every week, I love at Life Church, there's an opportunity for all of us to be in a place of surrender and worship and a place of surrender and prayer. I mean, we stop everything we're doing and say, if you need prayer, we want you to surrender that because we don't want you to hold on to this stuff. We want you to go through the door. We want you to believe for the impossible. We want you to believe that God can do and everything he says in his word. That's why when you're in worship, don't just watch the worship team. They're not a band. They're worship leaders. Worship with them. That's why we lift up our hands. It's a sign of surrender. And, it, and, and when you're surrendering, it doesn't matter what the person left or right is doing. It's you and Jesus. That's why when you, and here's the thing. Think about it. What if you're at a place where you're surrendering to God and prayer comes up? You know how easy prayer is going to be? You're going to run back there and you go, hey, I need you to agree with me on this. And the prayer person is like, all right, let's do it. Because you've already surrendered to God in worship, now I'm surrendering my needs so that I can start stepping in faith and stepping in the beyond where the impossible happens, where the unthinkable happens, where things where you go, I, I, it doesn't make sense, it must be God. But I'm believing it. No, I don't have a reason. I know people are gonna say it's, uh, it's this or that, but I'm trusting God with it. We have to surrender. Here's some examples of my own personal life. There was a time where I really struggled tithing. Not that I would forget to tithe, but there was sometimes. But, but the biggest thing was when it came to tithing, I always came through this crossroads for, for a long time, probably longer than I should have. Because what would happen is when it came to giving that 10%, I would start carrying this stuff again. I would find the facts. And, you know, the facts about tithing is 10% of your paycheck, it's a lot of money. I mean, I could buy a lot of cool stuff with 10% of my income, but I, but I, I need to tie that. And then, and then feelings would come up, and I would carry that and say, you know, you know what, what if I can't pay my bills? What if I go hungry? I mean, I have kids. Like, what if, like, what if something happens and, and I don't have, and I, I gave that 10%, I could have used that. And then failures come up. And I bring that up, and I say, you know, I haven't, there's been times I've forgotten to tithe, but, but more than that, there's been more times that I have tithed, but I didn't want to, or I tithed after I paid my bills, and so, I mean, what's the point? I've already messed up. I've already not given my first fruits. Well, you know, why? And we'll carry these with us, but there was a time where I'd read scriptures like Malachi 3.10, where he says, test me on this, and see that I don't open the windows of blessing. And then I would hear people's stories. Like the stories, we, you know, you're hearing these tithe testimonies. And I just got to this point where I was like, you know what? 
I'm just going to surrender all. And so I did something bold one night. It was a Thursday night. It was, the, it, was the, it was the day before we got paid. I didn't know what we were getting paid. But I grabbed Shelby and we sat down and I, and I wrote an ouch check. You ever wrote an ouch check before? You're like, this might bounce. Like you just, it's like it's an, it's an ouch check. And I, I wrote the check for a tithe, the, probably the biggest tithe we ever tithed at the, at the time. And I looked at her and I was like, no matter what we get paid, this is what we're tithing. And, she, and, and my wife is really good at keeping me accountable, like, especially when it comes to tithing. Like, um, she's not going to be like, did you remember? She's like, did you remember? And I'm like, yeah, I did. I'm sorry. Like, I, but she's really good. At, so, I go, so I'm looking at her and I'm like, hey, this is what we're going to tithe. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, even though I took it off, I wanted to put it back on from Thursday to Friday. I was like, oh, gosh. Like, even in the middle of the night, I wanted to rip it up and then, like, go to her ear and go, we didn't do that. That was all a joke. You dreamt about that. Like, I really was, like, nervous. But here's what happened. Friday came. I look at our, our, our budget. I go on the Every Dollar app, and I'm budgeting everything. I'm able to budget the bills. I'm able to budget groceries. I'm able to budget miscellaneous. We even have a section in our budget called family fund, which we don't get to put money in all the time, but this time we were able to put some money in it. Like, all right. I was able to put money in savings. I was, and, and I looked at the budget, and I loved it. I, pay, I, I mean, I put money in every area, and I look at the top, and it says, you still have this much left. And I went to Shelby, and I said, hey, I have money that I don't know what to do with. And she's like, that's good. I was like, yeah, that's really good. Like, like it was insane. And I got to a place where I said, God, forgive me. Forgive me for doubting you. To not realizing that you have my best interest in hand. And the only reason you want me to tithe is you want me to trust you. But trust me and see what happens. And can I tell you, oh, it hasn't been hard to tithe again. In fact, I, I try to tithe as fast as I can. I go, I'm, I'm using that. I'm texting, I'm, which, which if, you, if you text to give, it's like super fast. Like you just, boom, like it's just done. And I loved it. And I haven't changed since because I just, I went beyond. And I believe God. Here's another example. When we had our twins, which having twins is awesome, especially when the nurse goes, hold both of them. I'm like, can, can, can you give me one at a time? She goes, no. And I was like, all right. I hope you don't trip on yourself. Like I was just, so I'm holding both my twins. I look at my son, Logan, and I go, huh. I look at the nurse, I go, I've seen a lot of movies with people with Down syndrome. Looks like my son has Down syndrome. And she goes, I'm going to get the doctor, and he's going to talk to you about that, which is always a nice way of saying, I can't tell you anything, but he can. And the doctor comes and lets me and my wife know that our son has Down syndrome. And up until that point, we didn't, we didn't know. And so I found myself putting these things back on. I found the facts. Down syndrome. He'll be limited. He's going to need help. He's not going to be normal. I'd grab the feelings. These are just real feelings, I'm just telling you right now. In fact, my wife laughed at me about this. I, I cried saying, he's going to live with us forever. <laughs> but in the moment, I was like, he's not going to be independent. He's always going to need help. I may, my, my name may stop at him because he may not be able to have children. He may not even be able to get married. 
He's just going to be with us. And then the failures. I grabbed the failures. And I said, man, it, could we have done something different? Maybe we should have gotten that test like they tell you to get. Maybe, maybe Shelby should have, you know, eaten something different. Maybe, maybe you know, maybe I should have helped more. And, 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 and we're thinking about all these things we could have done. And I'm going to be honest with you. I was in a bad place. I remember I, I, I sent a text out to my friends. My friends who I knew could pray. So like the friends who didn't make that list, I just, you just I didn't know you could pray. But the ones who did, I was like, hey, pray they're wrong. I wanted the doctor to come and go, oh, did I mean Down syndrome? No, I was just kidding. It's that guy. I mean, I was like really believing for that. But the doctor comes and he makes the, you know, he said, yes, your son has Down syndrome. And he starts again telling me all these things that my son's going to be limited by. And one thing he said was he said, I'm going to come back because we need to check your, your son's heart because 50% of all people with Down syndrome have congenial heart defects. And so my pastors who I worked with in San Diego, pastors Matthew and Sabrina Schlesinger, were there. And when the doctor left, they said, let's pray. And I, man, I started praying, and I remember this phrase that came. I'll never forget it. I'll use it for the rest of my life. God's talking to me, and he says, don't settle. And then he starts talking about his heart. Don't settle on that. And that's when the surrender happened. I started, I, my pastors there started the prayer, but I took over the prayer. I was getting loud. Like the nurses were concerned, like loud. And I'm praying, God, we're not settling. And I start saying things out loud that I bet nurses are like, mm-mm. I said, God, he's not going to have a heart problem in the name of Jesus. And I started getting loud and praying. We are not settling on the diagnosis that he has. He may have Down syndrome, but he won't be limited by the diagnosis of Down syndrome. And I'm just praying and believing it. And here's the great thing. After four heart tests, my son doesn't have any heart problems. And here's what's great. Every time that doctor or another doctor tried to give me some test they're going to do, I said, come on. And I started praying. I started believing against it. And I started, because I wasn't settling. Now, has everything we prayed for come the way we want it to? No. But here's one thing I know when you walk in faith. You don't look at the facts. You look at God. You don't look to your feelings. You cling to scriptures. And you don't look at your failures as a failure. You look at it as something that is not in God's timing. And it doesn't matter what people say and what people write and what people post on your Facebook page. It doesn't matter because when you're in faith, you're all in. It doesn't matter anymore. I'm believing for the impossible. I mean, if he could do this in my life, what else can he do in my life? If he could do this in my son's life, what else can he do in my son's life? If he could do this in my family's life, what else can he do in my family's life? I am believing for the impossible. I'm believing for those walk-on-water moments. I'm believing for scriptures like Ephesians 3.20 where it says, Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work to accomplish infinitely more than what we ask or think. Glory to him in the church and Jesus Christ through all generations forever and ever. Amen. See, faith isn't to see what you can do. Faith is believing Jesus can do it. And he can do infinitely more than what you can ask or think. And that's why scriptures like John 14 are so powerful. I tell you the truth, Jesus says, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater. Works because I'm going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it. 
so that the Son of Man can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything my name and I will do it. I love that he repeats it. Yes, no, ask, believe, don't live in doubt. I know some of you guys look at those scriptures, you go, mm, I don't know. No, Jesus is saying, believe for that. Don't doubt. Don't doubt that I can do anything in your life. Jesus has greater things for you. Things that won't make sense, so all you can do, believe that it's God. See, Peter sank because he took his sights off Jesus. And every day, we're going to be given a walking on water situation, meaning a situation that is impossible for me to do on my own. And every day, we need to surrender to what, surrender what we can do and go to Jesus and imagine the stories that will come after that. Imagine what will happen in your workplace. Imagine what will happen in your family, with your kids, in your neighborhood, in your surroundings. Imagine what will happen when you are in beyond faith. I mean, people are going to see it. They're going to want it. They're going to want that faith where you go beyond the facts, you go beyond the feelings, you go beyond the failures, and you go forward with him. Can I have you bow your heads real quick? Salvation is another impossible thing. Impossible because Jesus took all of our sins on the cross. Today, there are some of you in here where that beyond faith experience is going to be welcoming that gift of salvation into your life. So with every head bowed, I'm going to do two things. One, if you're in here and you want to make Jesus your Lord and Savior, Lord mean you are going to give him control of your life, and Savior mean you're allowing him to save you from your sins. I'm going to ask you to do one of two things. I'm going to ask you to lift up your hand and look at me, and, and then as a church, we're going to say a prayer together. So if that's you, you're saying, I want to start a relationship with Jesus. Can I have you slip up your hands and make eye contact with me real quick? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Did I miss anyone? Thank you. Love it, love it. Can we say this together as a church? Say, dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Forgive me of all my sins. Come into my life. Change me. Make me new. Be my Lord and my Savior, in Jesus' name, amen. If you said that prayer for the very first time, we are so excited for you starting this Jesus journey, and we want to help you with that. So if you did that for the very first time, can you grab that hello card and fill out as much information as you're uh, comfortable with, and then check the box where it says, I'm choosing to follow Jesus. And you can turn that in as the offering's being passed, or you can go to these side doors, or the Welcome Center, where we actually have a gift for you, a, a Bible, a devotional, and a CD that our pastor did called What Now? And it's just a, it's a quick CD that will help you on the next steps of becoming a Jesus person. Can I have you bow your heads one more time? And don't go anywhere. We still got more service to come. But you're in here and you're saying, Pastor, I am a Jesus person, but I've been trying to do faith on my own, and I need to let go of what I can do and start surrendering to Jesus. If that's you, can I have you lift up your hand real quick so I can pray with you? So many hands. Thank you. Thank you. So Jesus, Lord, I pray for all these hands. I pray for all these people, Lord, who are not holding on to what they can do. But Lord, they are going beyond in you, Lord. Believing for the impossible. Believing for what your word says. That we can do greater things in you. So Lord, we pray 
that you'd be with every person here, Lord, and help them to go beyond in their life. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.